The following is a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome again to Business Sense Radio with your host, Edward King. And boy, have we got a great program for you today. So let's bring your host, Edward King, on board and we'll learn all about it. Edward? Yeah, thank you, Mark. It's a beautiful day and we're so happy to be here this weekend. Here we are just flying through 2022 at a record pace and we're already through mid-February and it seems just like yesterday was New Year's Day. So changing pace from our previous week's topics, today we have a very special guest and yet a lot of things are going on here in the county. You know, elections are coming up in June as well as November, which will have a major impact on where our freedoms, our politics go and our schools will be going in the coming two years. So I'm encouraging everyone to get completely educated about the candidates and don't just keep voting for the same failing politics we're suffering under. Remember what Albert Einstein said, if you keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, you're suffering from insanity. Or as he also said it, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. But moving on, today we have a very special guest who has been well known in our community over the last number of years. And his name is Steve McShane. He is currently the president and CEO of the Salinas Valley Chamber of Commerce. You know, as we all know, for 15 years, he was the owner and general manager of McShane's Nursery and Landscape Supply that was right there on Highway 68 as you are coming from Monterey into the city of Salinas. He's also worked in the farming industry, organic fertilizers, as well as state government. And much to my surprise, it just keeps flowing from there. He is on his third term as Salinas City Councilman. And on top of that, he has had 20 years of public service experience. And I'll kind of hit some of the top points here. He plays a leadership role as chair and past chair of the Monterey Bay Air Resources District. He is Associate of the Monterey Bay Area Governments. He is a California State Vanpool Authority, and these are participations and boards that he is on. He is a member of the Downtown Salinas Rotary Club, and he also serves on boards for the Monterey Bay Marine Sanctuary, very important, a local Cal Poly Alumni Association. And he is married to Daniela. They have one son, Patrick, and one daughter, Molly. And as he says, when he's not working, he enjoys hiking, gardening, and travel. So I'm very much looking forward to hearing about him. And so I want to introduce our city council, Steve McShane. Welcome. Hey, thank you, Edward. Great to be with you again. And uh, just want to thank you for, for bringing to bear important topics and speakers in the region, certainly as it relates to business and local government. So really delighted to, to join you today. Yeah, well, thank you very much. So, you know, because you've got a split personality, because you are involved as a city councilman, and now that you are the president and CEO of Salinas Valley Chamber, I'd like to first focus on 
your position of city councilman. Um, I know there's been a recent, at least recently, there was a change in terms of who the mayor of Salinas was. And our past mayor um, was very well loved, very efficient, very impactful on the growth of Salinas. And Salinas obviously is the largest city here in Monterey County. So why don't you take us deep into the heart of what is going on in the city of Salinas from the perspective of a city councilman, and we'll, we'll cover some of the areas. So why don't we first, why don't you just go ahead and jump in? Sure. Well, I'll start with city government. Um, I've been on the council for 12 years. I was on a school board prior to that. I've been very involved in the city of Salinas the last 20 years, serving on various boards and commissions, the planning commission, traffic and transportation, design review. Uh, I would say that we are a medium to large city in the state. We've got 160,000-ish folks uh, that we know about, uh, probably with a population closer to 180,000 with undocumented. Uh, we are a blue-collar town. Uh, very agricultural in nature. We are 20 square miles and we've got big city problems. Um, like most cities in California, um, our unsheltered residents and issues stemming from homelessness is at the top of the list. Uh, number two uh, would continue and always is public safety, making sure that there's adequate police and fire resources. And number three, infrastructure. Um, mm -hmm. That is crumbling sidewalks, curbs, gutters, streets. You know, not too indifferent from other cities our size, Santa Rosa, Pomona, uh, Visalia. And, uh, you know, I think as, as cities go, uh, we're in good shape. Um, mm -hmm. we, we could be worse off as it relates to the pandemic. We've weathered it actually much better than we thought. In fact, mm -hmm. so much better that there's a bit of a surplus we are wrangling it, wrangling mm -hmm. with. In fact, quite a bit of a surplus uh, mm -hmm. due to extremely conservative accounting practices by previous CFOs. Our new CFO uh, has identified that we've got around 40, maybe as much as 42 million in funds available for one-time money spending. Mm -hmm. and, and so we're engaged in that. And that comes on the heels of 50 some odd million that came from the federal government as part of the uh, American Rescue Act. Uh, so there's some significant one-time investment going on in our city. Something's not so sexy as, you know, say wastewater um, and irrigation at parks, but other things that, that do include improvements to sidewalks and streets that, that'll have a real benefit. Um, you know, as to our council, we are a young council. Um, our youngest council member is 22 years old. Um, we have three new council members in the last year, including a new mayor. Um, all of it that are that are quite young and excited. Uh, the energy level and the innovation and the new ideas uh, are, is really awesome. I mean, not that I'm an old guy. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm in my 40s, but to to have the energy level of, of some folks in their 20s, you know, one of which is it's still a student at a you know, local university, um, you know, really changes the dynamic. And uh, I love it. I really do. I believe in our city. Um, I think we got a lot of opportunity to invest and diversify our job base and our economy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we also okay. have a new city manager. I could, I could just mention very briefly, uh, incredibly talented individual that's come from the private sector 
uh, roles in county uh, and city government. Um, he's got tremendous uh, ideas and energy. Um, so, so I think, you know, we have our challenges, but yeah. we have our opportunities and uh, you know, all in all, I'd, I'd like to assure to your listeners that Salinas is, is doing, doing pretty good. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't we focus on a topic at a time? So because you brought up the um, leftover money from the pandemic, the 42 million, I believe you just said, and your, you know, the condition of the Salinas budget and the future of it, what are the plans right now? Um, I know that, you know, politicians, not specifically you, but, you know, have a glee about spending money. So when they end up having extra money, they seem to overcommit and certainly spend all of it. What are the real plans about the future collapse of our economy that we definitely see? You know, inflation is is literally out of touch, even with history. Um, you know, we've got a wave of undocumented, which I'm not complaining about. I'm just saying there's certainly going to be pressures upon the city budget with that. And, you know, if we have an inflation, if we have rising interest, which puts a curtails economic growth and health, and with this possibilities and certainly fears of war going on over there in Russia and Ukraine and China and Taiwan. And that could really upset the apple cart more so than the pandemic that we are past. What, what is the savings plan? What does the future look like with the city of Salinas budget? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up. Um... You know, I'm the founder of an organization called the Salinas Taxpayers Association, uh, and I, I think I have a pretty good record for for making sure that we are fiscally responsible with the city of Salinas budget. Um, you know, the most prudent thing to do when there's surplus money is to a make sure reserves are fully funded, and yep. b make sure we're paying down pension obligations, which, which are significant for the city, especially as it relates to public safety. You know, a public safety employee is expensive. Not only do you need to pay in a marketplace where, you know, recruitment is down, uh, we're down by about a third in the mm. city of Salinas. You know, 10 years ago, we may have 200 applicants uh, in a round of hiring. Uh, and, and right about now, it's, it's in the 60s. Um, so, so paying down pension obligations uh, is another responsibility. And the other most important thing that, you know, sounds reasonable, but sometimes can be, you know, misunderstood is this idea that we really need to make sure we're, we're spending any surplus funds after we pay down our pension obligations and our reserve needs uh, on, on one-time monies, you know, yeah. that we're not, um, we're not, hiring people on the idea that, oh, well, we'll have these monies next year. Um, you know, we are a very modest city. You know, we don't have the luxury of, say, other cities, you know, here in Monterey County, the peninsula cities in particular. Um, you know, the city of Monterey has, you know, about twice as much to spend per resident in their city. Um, and so we just have to be much more nimble. Um, we have a lot of amenities. I'm not going to disregard the fact we have 50 parks. We do. Mm -hmm. um, Amazing. But, but, you know, at the same time, we just, we just don't have the luxury that some other cities do to, to say, 
um, you know, focus on, on, on uh, anything outside of yeah. essentials. So sticking to our budget conversation, and I definitely appreciate, you know, your position about paying down some debts that could really hurt us in the future. And, you know, those costs that you brought up. So what type of um, projects or um, spending directives would the city entertain for this extra $42 million? Is it going to be roads? Is it going to be infrastructure of other kinds? Or is it, or, or where is it going? Well, we don't have a decision yet. Um, yeah. This discovery was made in the last six weeks. Uh, so, you know, there'll be, there'll be some recommendations by staff. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the easiest thing to really think about is just to look at our CIP, right? We have two budgets we pass on an annual basis, our working budget, uh, which is dominated by staff salaries, um, you know, by, by a lot, 80% mm-hmm. plus, uh, the other budget is our capital improvement budget. And that's a four-year plan that includes things like streets and sidewalks, stormwater, uh, you know, runoff and so forth. Um, there's a lot of facility improvement needs, uh, some that you could even say are, are health and safety, whether it's asbestos abatement in station four mm-hmm. for our fire station. You know, we have five fire stations in our city uh, or whether it's, you know, accessibility in the form of an elevator at our one of our senior centers uh, or day centers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these types of projects are ranked. Um, and I can just tell you our public works people, you know, are thrilled by this announcement, um, as, as should be our residents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a big piece for me, Edward, is streets, sidewalks, curbs, and gutters, uh, streets especially. Sure. You know, we've got, as it's estimated in a recent study, more than 200 million in needed street repairs. Um, Not surprised. So, yeah, even if we can commit 10% or 20% of that 42 million on those sorts of most important areas, we still have dirt streets in parts of our city, if you'd believe it, uh, and dirt sidewalks. Uh, you know, if you go back to the history of Salinas, and I think it was 1961, we had a landmark vote to annex what was then, you know, the Alisal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that took place um, with a lot of known investment needed in, in basic sewer streets and sidewalks. Uh, sure. So we're not done with that. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've got to make sure that whatever we're doing, it's, you know, fair uh, and it's across the city, you know, benefiting you know, all residents of Salinas. And, and I, I think our council really recognizes that, as does our city staff. Sure. Oh, well, I know driving on Pajaro, as you go towards Blanco and passing Romy Lane, it's when I drive through there, it's I've had smoother roads driving off-road up on top of the mountains around here because it just jars the car all the way through that route. So I understand that the problems about just simple things, infrastructure, road repair, you know, is it's an ongoing project. It's, it's an ongoing challenge. And, you know, as time goes on and the weather and the rain and everything else, the roads don't get better. 
roads just break down and and get used up. So moving to another topic, and you had brought it up about the number of applicants that are down in our public safety sector. Now, the city of Salinas does not, uh, as I understand it, have anything to do with Monterey County sheriffs as far as budgets or anything like that. I don't know if the city and any uh, parts of the city um, contract with the sheriff's department to cover for law enforcement because we have a very good uh, Salinas Police Department that I know of. So, what is going on with the health of the city police department? Well, um, I'm a strong supporter of our police department. We have a very impressive record, um, you know, as as law enforcement goes in the state to to keep with up-to-date training and technology. We've mm-hmm. invested in a very impressive public safety service facility uh, that was sorely needed. Um, we've got great leadership in Roberto Felice. Um, he has been our chief for about a year now, um, coming up on a year, and has great experience in the region. Uh, Gilroy, Seaside, Marina. Um, you know, and he's got a very impressive story in that he immigrated from Italy, uh, was literally washing dishes and waiting tables when he was approached to consider getting into you know the police, uh, mm-hmm. you know, police services yeah. career and industry. And, and he did. And he's just risen to the top. He's just a terrific leader. Uh, he very frequently is on a bicycle and patrolling. Um, you know, as for the size of our city, we don't have the officer count and support staff count that we should we are we are below the way well below the national average and below the california average uh we run our officers ragged it's incredible when you look at the stats and the number of calls that you know are fulfilled on a daily basis in comparison to city you know close by like greenfield or uh even the county sheriff's department certainly the city of monterey uh that said um, I'm particularly impressed by by the training and the investment, the professionalism. You know, recently I was in on a briefing where you know all of our staff have gone through um, certification in crisis intervention. Um, mm-hmm. You know, specifically um, training as it relates to um, psychology, sociology, um, and social services as it relates to, you know, individuals that might be on the spectrum or suffering from some sort of mental illness. Um, there's a great national program called Why'd You Stop Me? And it's it's a whole program built around procedural justice, seeing to it that regardless of gender, uh, sexual orientation, economic background, uh, you know, any sort of potential grounds for prejudice Mm -hmm. that the policing process in a, in a traffic stop or engagement with our, with our police department is provided uh, consistently and with the highest standards. And Mm -hmm. all of our officers have gone through training in that uh, as well as the crisis intervention training, 40 hours uh, per Mm -hmm. officer. These sorts of things I think are, are what make for consistent, Um, and strong departments. I'm very proud of the makeup of our department. We, in the last three, I think now four classes out of the academy, we have hired more women and more men and women of color than we ever have. Uh, Our department is quickly 
becoming, you know, more female, more bilingual, uh, and, and more bicultural than ever. Um, I don't want to misrepresent the stats, but I, I want to say, you know, we're, we're approaching 40% Spanish speakers, um, and, and, uh, you know, individuals of Latino descent. And I think that's important. You know, it really helps to have a, a police service staff that is representative of the community. Um, you know, so I'm just, I I think, you know, as it relates to support for public safety, I don't think it, you know, is any surprise that the national, uh, dialogue and, and the news on what's taking place in other communities that may not have the benefit of diversity or, you know, training and preparation to engage in a, in a more bicultural and you know, diverse society yeah. have, have really kind of controlled the narrative and influenced local opinions. So we do have tr- a tough time with, with quite frankly, officers that, that you're suffering from low morale, um, lack of hiring. So, you know, we're overcoming that. And I think, I think our, our, our city leadership, our council, you know, while some may have, you know, campaigned on black lives matter and we won't, we won't fund police one more dollar and things like that. I think that that our community has come around and our and our and our city leadership has realized that you know Salinas is different than say other cities that have really suffered you know for lack of investment um, and awareness in those arenas. Um, so, so you know, yeah. jumping back in terms of bringing on more staff, just certainly on the front line police, and and I can see how morale would certainly suffer for our you know, men and women in, in, in that industry, if they are, you know, overworked, understaffed, uh, stressed with being out of the streets with this additional training, which is very important and very helpful, what is it that can be done for our police department to allow them to bring on the proper number of staffing, which will only improve not just public safety, but public perception because I know that if some of our neighborhoods or parts of our community got to realize and got to see our police officers more as people because they're not just driving by in their in their squad cars or not even being on the streets they would understand that these are real people Uh, you know our police staff are are really good people now there's there's always mistakes that are made, especially under the, the duress of some of the things that they face on the street. But, you know, understaffing is a two-way street. It, it hurts the public. It hurts the morale of the police and the support staff that support them from the um, departments and the police stations. And considering that we're seeing, you know, police being shuffled away from their departments in some of these major cities that, um, you know, are, are suffering from the woke and defund the police, it seems like that there would be a great deal more available applicants. You said our applicant numbers are down. So w- what is the crux of that problem? Do you, do you know or should that be something that would be addressed by the police? Project? Yeah, I wish I had a better um, I wish I had a better answer or a, an easy answer for you. I, I really can't explain it. Um, you know, I, I've been a part of some other agencies, um, you know, where there's conflict or, you know, a, a bad rap for 
for one issue even or a mission or another. And all I can say is, is there's a real opportunity in all of this. There really is. You know, if, if given the choice of, you know, great levels of intention, of, of attention, mm-hmm. uh, interest, and even criticism versus nothing at all, I think I'd even choose the former. Um, I think it's giving our department a better chance to tell their story and shine in their professionalism. Uh, you know, many of the officers that are in leadership position positions that I know um, really have embraced the support and seen an uptick in support from certain circles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, at least from our department's standpoint, um, you know, I was with the PIO earlier this week for the department. I follow the social media for the department. Um, it's really impressive. It really is. Um, you know, our violent crime is down. Now, that part of that's the pandemic. I mean, I remember being abroad and meeting with the mayor of a city of a million people, and we were comparing notes. And that year, we had suffered 29 homicides. Yeah. And that's a lot, you know. Uh, his city hadn't had a homicide in three years. So it's kind of like Detroit, you know, Michigan versus Windsor, Canada. If you ever look at some of the, the the stats between the two cities, you know, across the bridge, so to speak. Um, So, you know, I can just say, um, I can just say that, you know, it's a, it's a bigger question, but I I think there's a lot of good attention and, and our department has nothing to hide. Um, In fact, recently I spoke with an officer, uh, you know, that embraced body cams. He was saying for a long time, you know, officers were real reluctant to have wear a body cam, mm-hmm. but they've found that they truly appreciate them because if there's a, a point of contention, if somebody reports that they may have been mistreated or something, well, the body cam footage uh, is right there. And, right. you know, 95% of the time, that's what, you know, I think I was told uh, there, there's no issue. Um, right. There's one other thing I would say that we just engaged the first of the year is a customer service survey. Um, when we engage someone as a department, uh, there's an email or a text that will go to the individual that engaged in services uh, and, and we'll ask for feedback. And, and it's been a very invaluable tool. Um, for training and and for you know improvements mm-hmm. to the department and to know that our department's doing that is pretty awesome. I, I think we're the first in the region to embrace this new technology, and it just shows to our management and their commitment to to you know to to, to focusing on doing a better job today and tomorrow. You know, yeah. Well, thank you very much on that part of the update. I I know maybe it gives me an inkling of a desire to have the Salinas Police Chief here on our radio show to, again, to to share how there's great improvement, there is a future, there's growth, there's public safety is on top of their list, and uh, get them on the radio and, and let them share their stories. Oh, yeah. Now, yep. recently, recently, moving on to a new topic is, you know, KSBW kind of dropped the ball, not dropped the ball, just dropped a boom here about talking about a Amazon a story that just came up in the news. And you and I and Mark were talking about it off the air a little bit, and everything has still seemed to be secretive and all of that. But, you know, it looks like 
if this actually comes to be, this new five-story building with, with all of the jobs and the economic benefit to our tax base, to our uh, solving some of our unemployment problems that we have here in the area, and it, you know, it just brings a great opportunity. I mean, it's I remember, and I've looked at the history of um, Salinas when in the late 50s, there was a big push by a number of people, a number of business people that brought in the likes of Firestone and and um, Peter Paul and Smuckers and some other major um, industries in the southern part of Salinas. So having this Amazon distribution center would be a great uptick for the economy. Is there anything that you would like to share, uh, whether it's official or not? Please. Sure. Uh, well, us. so as shared before we started the interview, uh, I cannot speak to uh, Amazon landing in Salinas. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's no official statement uh, on the part of the city. Um, you know what I can say is when I was on the planning commission, we went into great study as to you know the needs um, in warehousing, uh, industrial. Um, and even commercial, and the south part of Salinas grew uh, by 400 some odd acres, mm-hmm. and that that sits between Abbott and Harkins. Yeah. Um, and uh, no, I'm sorry, Abbott and Harris, mm-hmm. and so it's it's a big swath of property, and it's just sat there. There's been a lot of starts and stops over the years, uh, various manufacturing, processing, cooling. And, you know, deals never happen for different reasons. So it'll be interesting. You know, Salinas has a lot of shovel-ready property. And we have an economic development director. You know, we recently hired a a support staff member for that economic development director. For as long as I've lived in Salinas, there's always been this goal to diversify our economy, Mm -hmm. to bring higher-paying jobs, mechanization, technology, and it's unfortunate because we've moved the other way, Edward. Uh, my yes, experience is 20 years ago, we had radionics. We had a mm-hmm. clean room in Salinas mm-hmm. right over by the airport. We had Nestle, Firestone, Smuckers. I used to tell people that one out of every 10 strawberry grown in Monterey County would end up in a jar of Smuckers jam that left Salinas. Mm-hmm. We had McCormick Schilling. We had mm-hmm. a number of, uh, you know, industrial uh, and and manufacturing uh, businesses located here. Monterey Pasta is another one that really meant for diversification because Mm -hmm. we're so ag dependent and, you know, we, we just, we've had to really focus on that. So I can just say we're making strong pushes to diversify. And I can say now that I'm in the role of a chamber of commerce executive, uh, and having had the chance to meet with other communities that have real strong chambers of commerce, I, I can't help but speak a little bit to what a chamber of commerce is and what it what it's to do in a community where where the needle's really moving. And yeah. you know, a strong economic development effort is needed in our area. I, I, right. You can't depend on government to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the county of Monterey fired their economic development director. I'm proud to say they've they've rehired somebody uh but that unit was was non-existent for a long time uh the monterey county business council 
fortunately was given some funds from the federal government for economic efforts, but most of that, you know, related to pandemic impact. Um, so I just think there's a huge void for economic planning, attraction, retention uh, in this in this region. And, and certainly while I sit in the seat of president and CEO of the Salinas Valley Chamber, I'm going to work tirelessly with the chambers of Monterey, uh, the Monterey County Business Council and other partners to to do a better job to bring bring a more diverse and robust economy to our region. Yeah, and and we will get to that pretty soon in the second segment of our show here. And just kind of finishing up with the city of Salinas, and, and there's still a couple of issues that might be discussed. So what about homelessness here in Salinas? I mean, you know, if you go over there by what's used to be called Chinatown along the railroad tracks and other parts of Salinas, there are, you know, tent cities and piles of trash that have piled up and you know these i see them wandering the streets in different levels of dress and conditions what is being done and has been done i'm not saying that the city of salinas has just turned a blind eye because they have not they've you know tried to address this issue but it it's not going away and you know there's an impact, especially winter. They tend to hide away, and now we're going to be going into spring and summer. What is going on in the city of Salinas regarding homelessness? Sure. Um, well, I have the benefit of being involved in local government for about 20 years now and on the council for 12. And one of the most incredible things that I've witnessed is, you know, this this re, this increase in homelessness Uh you know, right now in the city limits of Salinas, we have approximately 1,700 unsheltered residents. I have asked if that's, you know, underrepresented or overrepresented. If anything, it's underrepresented by 10 or 20 percent. So maybe mm -hmm. it's 2,000 homeless. We have made it a huge priority in the last two or three years, um, and I would say really five. Uh, by statute, it's a county responsibility and just because of the nature of how local government functions, there isn't necessarily a good working relationship between county government and city government. No. Uh, there never really has been. Mm -hmm. And yet you could even say the same for school districts, uh, you know, and there's different reasons for that. And I won't expand on it. So the city has taken matters into its own hand. Uh, we were the first to open a public homeless shelter uh, gosh, seven years ago. And we funded that on our own and continue to, to fund um, a shelter now in collaboration with the county. We are the lead agency on what is called the SHARE Center. And there's, there's beds and accommodations for around 100 individuals that include families, women, men, pets. Uh, believe it or not, I think there's even a, a snake uh, there's at least 10 dogs. Uh, you know, there's, there's quite a, quite an operation at the share center. Um, and that was made possible with state support. Um, so, so what's being done, uh, you know, homelessness is incredibly complex. So I think some steps we've taken in the recent years has been a, to work closer with the County and the share center is part of that success, but B to work closer with the state, uh, the state of California, as you may know, the last couple of years has really hit the lottery. I mean, you know, talk about a budget surplus. I mean, the state of California has got more money than they know what to do with. And 
the you know, state is focused and prioritized some of that surplus on homelessness. And so one program that we've been very successful with is called Project Home Key. Um, based on my analysis, and I sat on a homeless uh, service provider board for several years called Community Human Services. They, they do a terrific job. And my, my experience tells me the best way to address homelessness is what they call housing first. And that is, you know, get someone that's unsheltered shelter, uh, and then they're more apt to receive and embrace social services that, that may include medical, uh, mental health, and ultimately job training and placement. Uh, it's extremely costly. I mean, you mm -hmm. think public safety is costly. You know, one success story is probably costing taxpayers, you know, from start to finish, at least a hundred grand. Um, so that that's a nut that can be cracked. Uh, maybe Mark Carbonero's got a better nut or a better cracker. But regardless, for the time being, uh, I'll just say that, you know, Project Home Key has been our greatest success. We received... Uh, an early grant to buy uh, a, a problematic hotel, convert it, upgrade it, and ultimately be able to house, you know, and provide a hundred, a hundred rooms, kitchenettes, uh, showers, what have you. And uh, that's been incredibly successful. The success rate a year plus into it is greater than 90%. Mm. So these are folks that are now stable, they're off the streets, uh, and in many cases working. This is their home and they're now bringing home income and contributing to their own overhead and, you know, will roll off into, you know, their own living environment. Mm -hmm. Hey, um, Steve. So, yeah. Oh, look, there's Carbonero. Yeah, there I am. Hey, that was, you were referring to the Good Day Inn, which is on uh, Work Street and John? Near the That's corner. correct. Yeah. And I believe the city is expanding that home key. Don't you have a couple more uh, older hotels or motels that you're going to put into that program? I'm glad you mentioned it. You're reading my mind. I was just going to say, as reported by KION News 46, uh, you know, your cousin or sister or friendly collaborative cohort in news. Uh, yeah, there was a story yesterday based on news that we shared. Uh, I believe it was Wednesday uh, that we as a city received $29 million from the state to expand that program to two additional properties the Sanborn Inn and the Salinas Inn. And uh, I'll just tell you, in total, you know, we'll have an impact of around 350, 400. Mm -hmm. You add that to the share center. And now we're getting closer and closer to a point where, you know, we're able to accommodate more and more of the homeless population. Um, mm -hmm. You know, not, not saying it's going to go away, um, but you know we're 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 getting at it. Where is that Salinas Inn located? Now Airport, Airport Boulevard. So oh, it's that's very okay. south part of town. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a there's a uh, an old motel that's like around Pajaro and John Street that has. Um, oh gosh, it's it's got like uh, the parking lots closed off. I think there's a chain link fence around it. I'm wondering if that could be a potential property for that kind of a program. Yeah, that property has been looked at and there's other issues associated with it. Um, the owners of that property right now, as I understand it, um, have their, their sites set on H-2A housing. Oh, okay. Got it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which is for agricultural workers. That's right. Yeah. Okay. You know, one, and, of, and one of the things that Salinas has done, if you, Edward, if you don't mind me mentioning this, is mm -hmm. that um, when the Project Home Key program came to Salinas, 
the city was very transparent about it with the community. The word was put out early, well before um, the properties were purchased, that, hey, this is what we want to do. This is what we're looking at. We want the community to buy in on this, and we want to know what people think about it, which, you know, to me is very commendable because we've had the exact opposite thing happen here on the peninsula. In Pacific Grove, and, and by the way, what was really interesting to me was there was a person who was working for the city of Salinas that was on city staff that was integral to the, um, the purchase process and the transformation of the Good Night Inn uh, into the homeless uh, facility. And that person was hired by Pacific Grove to, uh, to help facilitate the same thing in PG. But as opposed to Salinas, with Pacific Grove, it was all very hush-hush. And at a city council meeting back in... I think it was their second meeting in January, which would have been like the 19th or the 20th, something like that. The very first time an idea of purchasing a motel and converting it to homeless housing was brought up, and without there being any community input or discussion, the entire city council voted to give city staff the go-ahead to start working on this project and making it happen and not even going around to the neighborhood and saying to the people, hey, we're looking at buying this property and turning it into a homeless shelter, which they got everybody in town really upset about it, particularly the people that live in their neighborhood. And then to add insult to injury, Steve, the the family that owns the motel that the city had identified said, hey, wait a minute. Our property's not for sale and has never been for sale. Where, yeah. <laughs> where are they coming up with this idea that our 50-room motel is going to be turned into a homeless shelter? We, we enjoy being yeah. in the hospitality business, and we have no intention of leaving the hospitality business. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're tripping all over their feet over there trying to get this thing done, whereas, Salinas, you guys came out and told everybody in town what you intended to do, when you intended to get it done by, and you got community buy-in which to me is one of the most important things that government can do for its residents is to get their buy-in and inform them of what they're doing. Yeah, and if if I may interject on that one, I think one of the reasons that differentiates between the city of Salinas and the other cities here in Monterey County is the influence and the of Joe Gunter you know, passed away in June of 2020. He really left his mark on the city of Salinas and had really established very much an an open and participant type of city here for the uh, community, the people that live here, the residents. And, um, you know, I thought he did a really good job. And personally, I, I don't think I'm wrong. I think this is his legacy with the city of Salinas. Yeah, I think you're right. And I'll just speak to Mark's point first. Yeah. Outreach is so important. And, you know, thanks for the compliment on the city of Salinas. You know, we don't always get that right. I'll never forget when a $22 million solar array showed up in my city council district and I read about it in the paper, (laughs) Um, you know, and then that's a whole, you know, green energy and the benefit of being self-sustaining and all of that. But, you know, to the topic of, of getting the word out, 
it's increasingly hard. You know, traditional media, certainly local print media isn't what it was. And Mm -hmm. anybody can be anything on Twitter or Facebook to some extent. So, you know, our city's better embracing that. We just hired for the first time in the history of the city, a public information officer, uh, and she's doing a terrific job. Um, And she's got her work cut out for us or for her, I should say, uh, and she'll do it. Um, So that that's important. Um, You know, back to Joe Gunter. Yeah, his legacy lives on. Um, I'll never forget, you know, working on him. Um, you know, as some may know, he was a Marine, he was a police detective, and he run a he ran a no-nonsense meeting in a no-nonsense uh city. You know, mm-hmm. what many people don't know is he was a big teddy bear on the inside. I mean, he did so much for so many people that you know he was never given credit for, and in most cases, nobody even knew about whether mm-hmm. it was you know just helping somebody with rent or you know, counseling someone that was down. Really, really a great man. But back to his meetings and the way he ran the city, you know, I was recently reminiscing on the differences between the mayor of Monterey and the mayor of Salinas a couple of years ago. And as some may know, you know, Clyde from Monterey, you know, was a elementary school teacher. And, you know, by contrast, during council discussion and comments and so forth, he would always, you know, be so sensitive, not always, but most times, you know, to, oh, well, is there anything else you'd like to share? Whereas Mayor Gunter would say things like, I think that's enough and take a seat, you know, <laughs> um, you know, he just, he really, he really got to, he really got to the point and got things done. Um, you know, arguably one of the most celebrated mayors in the history of the city yeah. of Salinas. Yeah. So because we're running out of time, I don't want to overlook your new position as the Salinas Valley Chamber of Commerce president and CEO. And, you know, I think that's um, a breath of fresh air. It is great to have a change of management because it brings in, you know, new ideas, not saying anything bad or disparaging about the last presidency, you know, at all. It's just, you know, fresh blood. So, tell us, what is the state of the Salinas Chamber of Commerce right now, and where is it going in the immediate future? I know we had, you had mentioned earlier about staffing issues. Start with that. Sure, sure. Um, Well, for those that are listening that aren't really too familiar with the Chamber of Commerce is, it's not a government program. Mm -hmm. It's a trade association representing the voices of business in a given area or region. We've been around over 100 years uh, in the same building that I'm in right now for, you know, 80 plus. uh, There's about 650 some odd members that represent, in many cases, more than just one business. You have some members that have multiple lines of business under one membership. Uh, You know, there's three three prongs to a successful chamber. One is, is advocacy. You know, when it comes to regulatory taxes, uh, you know, any any impacts that could, you know, hamper or limit business, business expansion, business development. And that's mostly at the local level, but also at the state and federal level. The second area is business development. So that's someone that's gotten into business or is in business and wants to develop more business. So networking, promotion, that sort of thing. And the last piece is just economic development and regional promotion. Um, so being, you know, a, a one-stop source for, you know, where's a good place to buy or invest, 
mm-hmm. where's a good place to take my my beautiful wife, the Mrs. King, on a date in Salinas, mm-hmm. uh, so on and so forth. So um, as for the chamber here, we're in excellent financial position. Uh, we've had a very good board, a strong board, you know, over the generations that's you know placed a premium on making sure that our debts are paid off and uh, we're current and we're not overextending ourselves. And uh, we do have some turnover. I came in and there were three vacancies. I've made those hires. I'm going through training, you know, making sure we're all on the same page to to fulfill our mission and to, to really make a, a big difference when it comes to moving the needle on on the issues impacting small business. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, we've got some an open house scheduled for May the 19th of this year, 4.30 to 7. We consistently and continue to develop uh, a bunch of in-person programming as the pandemic uh, you know, is changing or maturing, I guess you could say. That includes ribbon cuttings, uh, lunch, networking events, uh, mixers, you know, all of all of which is on our website. We continue to publish the Salinas Valley Business Journal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We've that's expanded a good, that. That's it's a, a great tool. Yeah. Yep. Great voice for business. Um, it's it's received awards. Um, in fact, I just put the March issue to bed. So that's twenty issues once, or excuse me, twenty pages once a month, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we also have some big signature events. We have a annual awards luncheon that's coming up April 14th at Sherwood Hall in Salinas. I, I'm very confident it'll sell out. And that's where we honor citizen of the year, so to speak, uh, women of the year, small business of the year, uh, very much a regional um, recognition, so to speak, event. Um, so, you know, I, I'm very proud uh, to have taken this role. I'm here now going into my second month. And, and I love it. I love yeah. every day of it. And I, I think my enthusiasm and my experience in local government and, and more than anything, my experience 15 years running my own retail business, mm-hmm. uh, you know, helps uh, yeah. sign in the front of a paycheck as opposed to just the back. I, I think, you know, having that sort of experience as a business owner, you know, really, really helps. So, uh, you know, as a chamber member, our Business Alliance Career Training Solutions, you know, one of the things that we we missed out on was during the Chinese pandemic, Chinese flu or COVID, as others call it. You know, we weren't able to see the 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 ribbon cuttings and some of the you know the gatherings that bring business together, which to me was one of the real major benefits of of participating in the. Chamber of Commerce. Is that back on board again? Are, are we going to continue? You bet it is. Um, Everybody gets together and we're not all wearing, um, you know, white suits and protecting <laughs> each other like it's, um, you know, a level three lab or something like that. Yeah, we're, we're back at it. And, uh, and by some measures, did our best during the pandemic with various virtual meetups and Zooms and so forth, but it's just not the same. And, yeah. you know, I certainly, Edward, I want to thank you and Alliance Career Training Solutions for your membership. You provide a very, very valuable service for skills development, uh, whether it's at the, you know, basic level or the advanced level, folks that, you know, need to have a better handle on Excel or accounting softwares, you know, more and more uh, business is essential uh, as it relates to, you know, the accounting and the, the software 
Yeah, skills. and I and I so, thank you for that because yeah. some of the growth that we've done based on re- requests by our um, customers, which are businesses throughout the Tri County areas, you know, management classes, communications, team building, you know, economics of uh, dealing with stress and diversity and other things that we immediately address in our classes. But the Chamber of Commerce is is critical in terms of you know keeping a pulse and of business, the economic development, even though you can't speak to and address the Amazon warehouse and issues. But, you know, that's what this community needs is when we are singularly supported economically by only ag or in our case, a little bit of tourism that isn't even in the city of Salinas, but it's part of the county, you know, we have to diversify. Because when there are economics ups and downs, with especially with America realizing that we need to pull back from China and we need to bring manufacturing home to our own country so that we are not strangled by the powers of a, a different government, how can the chamber ratchet up the push to bring in economic development. You know, as I had mentioned earlier, back in the late 50s, early 60s, there was a, you know, a group of businessmen that literally scoured the state and the country to bring in the likes of Firestone. Is is there something going on with the chamber right now for that? You know, I'm so glad you mentioned that. And, I, you know, I think if we were to end our discussion today, you know, it'd be that I, I people should call their chamber of commerce, you know, Call now, you know, mm-hmm. to your listeners with any ideas or leads. Yeah. You know, you'd be amazed at how successful we've been at landing one business or another just based on word of mouth. You know, hey, I hear this is happening or that's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, at the big, large scale level, our economic development folks have been given that order. Uh, now, as I think I mentioned earlier in the program, that order has come and gone several times over the decade or so that I've been involved as a council member. Uh, and I, I think the volume has been turned up under this current administration with Kimberly Craig as our mayor and as Steve was Steve Kerrigan as our city manager. I mean, he comes from private business. He understands the importance of a diverse economy and a growing business uh, climate. So, you know, yeah, we're out there. And as a chamber of commerce, we're right there with them. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for anybody that wants to get involved in the chamber, we have committees, we have events, we have a board, we have three board vacancies right now. Um, You know, I just would put the word out, you know, call Mm 751-7725 or, you know, email me, at president at salinaschamber.com. You know, I love the relationship we have with Alliance Career Training Solutions, Edward. You're really moving the needle in the area of, you know, having a well-trained and prepared workforce and uh, just look forward to continuing to work with you. And thank you very much. And we just want to do a shout out again. You've got your annual awards luncheon coming up on April 14th. Call the chamber, go on their website, sign up, Go. It is an amazing event and it is a good way for you to reconnect to our community as we come out of the backside of the virus. Thank Thank you, you. Steve. We really appreciate you participating in today's show and we look forward to your development of the Salinas Valley Chamber of Commerce. And thank you again. All right. Thank you, Edward. And that's Edward King's Business Sense Radio for today, brought to you by Alliance Career Training Solutions. Online, it's alliancetrains.com. And don't forget to join us Tuesday. 
beginning at 8.30 for Edward King's Vignettes for Alliance Career Training Solutions here on Power Talk Radio. Seating was a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management.